My name's Steve. I'm one of the pastors here at Genesis. I want to let you know about something exciting that's going on. Uh, not that Danielle's leaving and not that we just had our Gen Kids person leave, but we are working to get those staff positions filled. And in the meantime, our uh, temporary summer Gen Kids help started this morning. And it is my wife, Benita. If you don't know Benita Wallen, uh, she is an incredible partner for me, but she's also a great uh, person to have in ministry, and she is back in Gin Kids right now. I know she'd love to meet you. If you've got kids in Gin Kids, uh, please say hi to her today. Uh, tell her thank you, because she's uh, doing this just part-time out of the goodness of her heart until she goes back to school, and uh, I'm excited to have her here, though. Uh, I, I feel like we're real close. We've, we've had a, some really good interviews for Gin Kids uh, person, so I hope to share some news with you uh, pretty soon about that. Uh, keep your fingers crossed. No, keep praying. Don't keep your fingers crossed. That doesn't do anything, okay? Um, Anyway, I wanted to let you know about that. Uh, as we start this morning, I just wanted you to imagine, okay, imagine for a minute that you've got some really good friends that are going away for the week and they decide they're gonna leave you in charge of their most precious possession. All right, maybe your pet's sitting for them and they're gonna leave their precious little puppy with you uh, or maybe they're, uh, they want you to house sit and they give you the keys to the Lamborghini in the garage and say, hey, take it out a couple times this week and just make sure you're to blow the cobwebs out of it, okay? Or maybe, maybe you're, you're babysitting. You're, like, you're gonna watch their kids for a week. Okay, imagine that. And, and as they uh, are going through the instructions, pretend that they tell you, hey, there's one thing I need to tell you and it's the most important thing. And then they tell you that really important thing, okay? And then uh, they go away and halfway through the week, things are going really well and all of a sudden, your mind flashes back to that conversation. You think, oh, oh, no. What was that one important thing that they told me I had to remember? Right? They said, hey, one really important thing, make sure to give the dog his meds every day or he could die. Right? Or, hey, one important thing, the throttle on the Lambo sticks a little bit, so make sure you ease it out of the garage. Or, hey, one important thing, uh, don't forget to feed our children. Whatever it is, all right, whatever it is. If you forget that thing, that one thing, that most important thing, you're likely to have a disaster on your hands, right? It reminds me of uh, one of my favorite movies growing up was the movie Gremlins. Uh, Gremlins came out in the summer of 1984, which, by the way, was without a doubt the best summer for movies in the history of summers and movies. Uh, 1984, uh, the summer of 1984 had Gremlins, okay? It had uh, The Karate Kid, uh, Ghostbusters, and The Last Starfighter. Of course, um, Cannonball Run 2 also came out that summer, so you can't win them all, but fantastic summer for movies. I spent my entire summer in the movie theater, but Gremlins was one of my favorite. And if you don't know about Gremlins, I'm going to spoil it for you. Please don't say, oh, I was going to go watch it tonight. Don't spoil it. I mean, it's 37 years old, okay? So you've had time. You've had your chance. Um, Gremlins is about a man who buys a pet for his son for Christmas, right? And this pet is a, a creature called a mogwai. And as he's buying it from the little boy in the shop, the boy gives him three rules about it, right? You, you remember this, these rules. Uh, he hates bright light and sunlight could kill him. That is number one. Uh, number two, don't give him any water, not, not to drink, and whatever you do, don't get him wet. And the third and the most important one is what? Do anybody remember? Don't feed him after midnight. Thank you, Kent Denius. I knew you would know that. Never feed him after midnight. Well, if you've seen the movie, you know what happens. The new owner forgets about the most important rule in this Innocent, cute, cuddly, furry little mogwai 
turns into a whole herd of creepy, dangerous, scaly, mischievous gremlins, right? And that's what happens in the movie. And why? Because he lost track of what? The most important thing that he was supposed to remember. And so today I want to talk about what the writer of Proverbs would call the most important thing that we are supposed to do. And I'm going to argue that you probably aren't doing it. All right, it's the most important thing you're supposed to do, and you're probably not doing it. In fact, I bet you're probably not even thinking about it. And so I'm going to call this the most important thing that you're not even thinking about. Uh, and it's in Proverbs chapter 4. So if you've got your Bibles, you might open them there, Proverbs chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, we've got some in the back of the room. We'd love to give you one of those that's a gift to you. I think it's page 440 in that Bible. If somebody finds that, you can correct me if that's wrong. But uh, Proverbs chapter 4. If you open your Bible straight to the middle, you'll probably end up in Psalms. Turn right. It'll be the next book there. Proverbs chapter 4. For the next few weeks, we're going to be uh, going, studying, reading through a portion of the Old Testament called the Wisdom Literature. Uh, this is the book of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and the book of Job, which we talked about a few weeks ago. And these books are referred to as wisdom literature because they reveal the collected wisdom of generations and God, of godly people from centuries past. These books invite their readers to consider uh, the complexity and yet the simplicity of learning to live wisely. We're going to spend the summer learning to live wise lives, specifically when it comes to applying God's word to our lives. And Proverbs in particular is a collection of wisdom passed down from a father to a son. We see that in Proverbs chapter 1. You can see what this is all about. And if you're following along in the Planted series with us, if you're using the Read Scripture app, first of all, I know for many of you the app reset itself this week. That wasn't us. That was Read Scripture. You can go, hopefully you can go find your place. Uh, but the Bible Project videos have been really helpful for me in understanding and uh, just applying some of these books. And that video for Proverbs says this, that Proverbs is, the main purpose of Proverbs is to help develop a set of practical skills for living in God's word. And then the video also reminds us that it's not the law, which is the thou shalt nots, right? Proverbs is not. And it's not prophecy, which is the thus saith the Lord's, but it is the collected uh, wisdom of the generations. Uh, and as such, it reminds us that Proverbs are not promises, that they're probabilities. And so the, what we get out of reading Proverbs is if you do what the wisdom literature says that we should do, you have a good chance of living a rich, satisfying, godly life. And so that's what we want to do. That's what we want to learn. So in the process of reading Proverbs, you come across this one in Proverbs chapter 4. And it starts out with not one, not two, but six warnings to the son, six admonitions to listen to what this wise teacher is about to say. Now, kids and students in the room, I want to tell you something. If I'm your parent, I'm not telling you something six times, okay? I'm just, I'm not that patient. Uh, I'm working on that. That's something I know that I need to grow in. But uh, this wise father tells his uh, son six times to listen to this. Look at this. Proverbs 4.20 is where we're going to start. It says this, my son, pay attention to what I'm going to say. Turn your ear to my words. Don't let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Six times, six calls to listen to what he's going to say. And if that's not enough, he goes on to say this in Proverbs 4.23, above all else. In other words, this is the most important thing I'm going to tell you. Right Before you do anything else, listen to what I'm going to say next. If you don't listen to anything else I say, listen to this. 
That's what the father is saying, right? It's the most important thing. What's the most important thing a parent would tell his child? Well, it's this. He says this. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Now, the word used for heart here uh, doesn't mean the organ, the heart, that pumps the blood through your body, okay? It doesn't mean the literal heart. The Moody Bible Commentary defines that heart as the whole inner self, specifically the mind, but also the emotions and the will. Uh, so this proverb is telling us basically to guard what we think about, to guard our emotions, to guard how we feel, to guard our inner being. And why? Well, because he says, for everything you do flows from it. If you uh, grew up in a different translation, an older translation of this says, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Maybe you've heard that said before. Now, I love that translation. The, the word wellspring is a, uh, it's a fountain of fresh flowing water coming up from the ground, right? The definition of wellspring is a, an original and bountiful source of something. And so the implication here is that all of life flows out of our heart, out of our inner being. All of life, the goodness of life, the fullness of life, all the joy and the peace and the love that flows out of life comes from what's in our heart, from what's in our inner being. But what we've also found out this year from reading Planted is the heart isn't just a source of the good in our life. The heart can be a source of evil, right? If you remember, even day two, day two in our Planted reading, you probably read this in Genesis 6, uh, right before God decided to send a flood on the earth, it says this, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth. And that, look at this, every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. And that the Lord regretted he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So out of the heart can come all of the goodness and the fullness and the joy of life. It can also come the greatest evil known to mankind. And so that's why the writer of Proverbs says, above anything else, above all else, more important than anything else that you will do, you got to guard your heart. So let me ask you, <clears throat> what's your plan? What's your plan for guarding your heart? Right? You, you probably have a plan for a lot of things in your life. Any type A people out there? Any type A people? You've got a plan for everything, right? If you, if you want to retire early, say you want to retire at 55, you've probably got a plan. Maybe you've got a spreadsheet that says how much money you need to save from every paycheck and how much your investment returns need to be and how much you're going to have to spend uh, when you get to that moment at the end of your life. You've got that spreadsheet. Maybe every month you get it out and you look at how much money you've got put away and how much you're behind or how much you're ahead of what you're planning. You've got a plan because it's important to you, right? If you want to fit into a wedding dress or uh, maybe a nice suit after a year of wearing only sweatpants in your house, <laughs> maybe you've got a plan, right? I, I can only have this many calories a day and I have to get this many minutes of exercise every day. And you've got that plan and you track against it. You look at it because it's important to you. It's something that you want to keep going. Maybe you've got a plan uh, to do a big event, like a big bike ride or a big uh, running race. And you've got a training plan. And every day you wake up and you look at your plan and it tells you you got to run this much or you got to ride this much or you got to go to the gym. And then you, you write down how you're doing against that plan, right? You've got a plan for everything. You've got a plan for stuff that you want. But in school, we had plans too. We had plans for things that might happen, right? Uh, how many of you did tornado drills as a kid, right? You'd, get, you'd go to your desk and you'd get out your thickest, heaviest textbook and you'd walk in an orderly fashion out to the hallway and you'd get down on your knees and you crouch over and you put that heavy textbook over your neck and you wait for the siren to go off that says it's all clear, right? You practiced for that. 
Uh, we even practiced for what would happen if we caught on fire. Do you remember this? You would get down and you would what? Stop, drop, and roll. Did you practice that as a kid? I practiced that. How many of you ever had to use that? Anybody have to? I hope not. I hope you never had to use stop, drop, and roll. If you did, I'm sorry. But I have to tell you, as a child, given how many times I practiced stop, drop, and roll, I thought adults just must be catching on fire all the time. Like, well, you need to know this. We have a plan for things that will probably never happen. We have a plan for the things that we want to happen. Why would we not have a plan for what the Bible says is the most important thing that we can do. Above all else, guard your heart. Why don't we have a plan for that? Well, the answer is, I think, we don't know how. We don't know how to guard our hearts. We live in a society that's saturated with opportunities to be stimulated. We have an unlimited number of TV channels and movie streaming platforms and music services and everyone in society who has an opinion, has a platform to share that with everyone in the world. And we can read those with just a click of the mouse or a touch of a button on our phone. We're surrounded with places that offer any kind of food or drink or recreation or pleasure we could ever desire. And most of us can't think of any good reason to deny ourselves any of those things. And to top it all off, most of us have become so desensitized to all this stimuli Uh, that we can't even be entertained anymore by one thing at a time. And so we sit on the couch watching our TV while we're playing a game on our phone, while we're FaceTiming with our friend on our laptop, and maybe we've got a book open for good measure. And and all of this stimulus is just propelled at us at a rate that there's no way that we can guard our hearts. And guarding our hearts in that situation is kind of like being a goalie when there's 20 soccer balls on the field. You can stop some stuff from getting in, but some things are just going to get past. There's no way to guard our heart in that kind of situation. Or is there? I always thought it was unfair that the Bible would give us this really important proverb with this really, really good piece of advice and then not tell us how to do it. Like, above all else, guard your heart. Good luck with that. We'll see you. But then I... This, this couple, last couple of weeks, I reread this proverb and I saw that in the proverb, there is a plan. There's a plan for guarding our heart. In fact, this proverb, in the next few minutes, I'll show you, there's three things that the proverb says we can do to guard our heart. So let's just finish reading through it together and I'll show you what I mean. Uh, the first thing it says we need to do is that we have to guard our tongue. We have to guard our tongue. If you read the next verse, Proverbs 4.24, it says, keep your mouth free of perversity, keep corrupt talk, far from your lips. Now, is this about profanity? Yes, it is. I know many Christians. I have many friends who are Christians who think that like cussing is not really a big deal for Christians. And I got to say, that is just a bunch of baloney. Um, there are so many passages in scripture that talk about the importance of the words we use, not not the least of which is this one from Ephesians 4.29. This is the Apostle Paul. He's writing to Christians in the church. And he says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So how much unwholesome talk does Paul say we should allow? None, right? Zero. Do not let any come out of your mouth. But it's not just perverse talk, okay? It's not just profanity, Proverbs warns us of corrupt talk. And I would say that corrupt talk includes things like gossip. It includes things like racist and discriminatory speech. Paul says we should only use language that is helpful for building others up. That means that we probably need to go back and check our Facebook feed. 
probably need to go back and check our Twitter account. You know, I have had a tendency in the past to be very sarcastic. I always think I'm very funny. Uh, not everybody thinks I'm funny. I think I'm funny. Uh, I've been very sarcastic in the past, even to the point of being mean-spirited sometimes on Twitter. I didn't like uh, some of the things that I tweeted, and so I left Twitter just because it was not very helpful for me. It was not helpful for building others up. Um, we have a tendency to uh, say hateful or sarcastic things about people who think differently than we do. And sometimes we just, we just post it because we think people will get the hint. But I want to tell you, if this is an issue for you, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Get a friend who thinks differently than you. And here's what I mean by that. Get a friend that you are regularly in their life that voted for somebody else. Get a friend that you are regularly communicating with that thinks differently about the vaccine that thinks differently about political issues, that thinks differently about current events. And, and uh, get together with that person and have lunch, have coffee, have them over to, into your home and then have conversations, difficult, respectful conversations about issues that you disagree with. I know that's a really difficult thing to do, but here's what I think it'll do. The next time that you go to copy that political post and put it on Facebook or to tweet that really funny thing that makes fun of the other side, you'll think about saying it to that person's, that friend's face, instead of just casting your incredibly wise and well-informed opinion out into the ether somewhere where maybe somebody will see it. You'll, you'll picture it as saying it to that person's face, and you can maybe get your point across in a way that is useful for building others up. I promise you, if you change the way you talk, you'll be guarding your heart. That's one way that you can guard your heart. The second way we can guard our heart is this, to guard our eyes. The next verse, Proverbs 4.25 says, let your eyes look straight ahead, fix your gaze directly before you. The things we look at, the things we take in with our eyes and also with our ears have a direct impact on our hearts. In fact, I would even say that the eyes are the most direct path to the heart. I mean, think about this. If you've ever fallen in love right when you met someone, it's called what? Love at first, love at first sight, right? It's not called love at first feel or love at first hear, right? It's love at first sight. It's straight from the eyes, right to the heart. I mean, that's true for good things. When we see someone or something beautiful and we fall in love with it, uh, it's also true for not so good things. The things we have to guard our hearts against, things like pornography, and violence, things like hate speech and uh, lyrics. Yes, I know that's in your ears, but so many of you watch your stupid TVs with the captions on. I'm going to count it as your eyes, okay? Um, let's talk about pornography for a minute. Pornography has become a pervasive issue in our society, and not just with men, but with women, and not just in our society, but in the church, and not just with adults, but with teens and kids. I saw a study this week that said 84% of boys and 57% of girls uh, have seen pornography before their 18th birthday. Uh, World-renowned clinical psychologists, John and Julie Gottman, do all kinds of research on this stuff. They've studied the effect of pornography on, on relationships. They are secular psychologists. They're not Christians. Just keep that in mind when you hear this. And at the end of one of their last studies they did on pornography, this is what they said. They said, we are led to unconditionally conclude that for many reasons, pornography poses a serious threat to couple intimacy and relationship harmony. That, my friends, is an effect on the heart. That's what it looks like when our eyes have an effect 
on our heart. We need to guard against that. But it's not just pornography. Similarly, I know people who are affected by watching violence on TV or movies. We've, we've known for years that adolescents who watch violent movies, play violent video games, have more, are more likely to commit violent offenses. That was shown in a 1982 study, a very famous study that you've probably heard about. But what's more recently coming to light is the effect of violence on our mental health. In fact, so many people are, um, have increased anxiety and depression after watching violent clips on TV or from movies. Uh, they, the, a recent study from 2013 or 2014 shows that uh, watching horror movies or action movies can greatly increase anxiety in the viewer, re resulting in things like higher heart rate, high blood pressure. Uh, in other words, your heart, it affects your heart. Scholarly articles have proven that what you, show, what you see with your eyes affect what happens in your heart. So if you want to guard against your heart, you need to change what you watch and what you see. You've got to guard your eyes. And here's the third thing. The third thing the proverb gives us one more way to guard our heart, and that's to guard our steps. We have to guard our steps. Proverbs 4, 26 and 27 says this, give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. See, there are just certain places where we're likely to go where when we're there, we're more likely to step outside God's best for our lives. You know, if we struggle with gluttony, that place may be the pantry, right? The kitchen, the refrigerator, or the donut shop. Uh, if you struggle with gossip, that place may be the home of a certain friend who you know whenever you get together, you're gonna talk about your other friends behind their back. And I gotta tell you, if you've got a friend that will talk about your friends behind their back, they will talk about you behind your back. If you have an issue with alcohol, maybe alcohol is your thing. You need to guard your steps against going to the bar or going to the winery or going to the microbrew pub. Now, please hear me, please. I'm not saying you can't eat, can't drink, can't talk to your friends, don't do any of that stuff, all right? That's not what I'm saying. Remember, we're not talking about salvation here. This is not about sin and salvation. This is about wisdom. This is about practical skills for living God's best for your life. And if you want God's absolute best for your life, you've got to get a little introspective. You've got to look into your heart and see how these things affect you. How does what you watch affect you? How does what you say affect you? How does where you go affect you? Check your heart. What makes you feel good? What makes you feel icky? Like, what are you doing to numb the pain from work or relationships or just, you know, life? How can you avoid those things that are not God's best and step into the abundant life that he has for you? Jesus said, I have come so that they may have life and have it abundantly. That is for you, my friends. And so what are you doing that is not helping you step into that abundant life? Now, as I get ready to close, I want to talk to a couple of different groups right now. Um, I want to talk to you if you're caught in addiction or in a habit, and it's so bad, you don't know how you can possibly get out of it. You can't guard your heart, because I've always got to be on my computer for work, and that's where I always run into trouble. Or, you know, you've got a painkiller habit, or an alcohol habit, and it's gotten so bad, because you're using those things to numb the pain of that broken relationship, or of how hard it is for you to be a parent, or not to be a parent, or of some really difficult situations. I just want to remind you today that if you are in Christ, that you have God's Holy Spirit living inside of you. 
and that you don't have to do this on your own. As God reminded the prophet Zechariah, when the things that seem impossible to us are done like this, not by might nor by power, but my, by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. You know, that same spirit that brought Jesus back from the dead, if you are in Christ, that spirit is living inside of you. That same spirit that brought sight to the blind, that same spirit that allowed lame people to walk, that healed lepers of their sores, that brought dignity back to those people caught in sin, that same spirit lives inside you. And if you are in him, you can do it not of your own strength, but in his spirit. And now for those of you who uh, think you're too far gone, like you've walked away from God, you've not really been paying attention, you kind of wandered off the path, and maybe you'd, you'd say you're a Christian, but you don't even remember when the last time you prayed or last time you sat down to read scripture or the last time you worshiped God, and you haven't really guarded your heart, and now it's a wreck. And you think about it, you don't know what to do. And maybe you're so angry with God because why would he let you get to this point? Why would he let this happen to you? I just want you to know, it's not too late for you. If that's you, it's not too late. The, the story we're gonna read in a few weeks in the Old Testament um, is about a nation that had, the entire nation had turned their back on God. Their hearts were hard and unwilling to even hear God's voice and God speaks to a prophet named Ezekiel and says this, says, I will give them, those who've turned their back on me, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their hearts of stone and give them a heart of flesh. I want you to know that God can do that for you. He can do that for you too. God can and he will. If you put your trust in him, if you turn to him, your old heart can be not fixed, it can be replaced. He will give you a new heart. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Don't you want that? Don't you want God's best for you? Don't you want the full, abundant life that Jesus promised for us? Don't wait. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. We're going to pray together here to close our service and... Uh, as we do, I'm just going to give you a moment. Because we're so assaulted by media and uh, stimulus in our society, we don't often take a moment to rest. So I just want you to close your eyes. I want to invite you to close your eyes and bow your heads and just rest for a minute. And as you rest, I want you to ask God this question. What's the thing that's keeping our relationship from being better? What's the thing, the barrier that's there? Just ask God that. See what he reveals to you. If nothing came up right away, maybe this prayer from Psalm 139 will help. The psalmist writes, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See, see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Let me just lift that prayer up to God right now. Lord, guarding our heart is uh, hard. 
<clears throat> and it's countercultural. <laughs> natural for us to step into what our culture says is normal and to just bombard our senses with every pleasure that we want. And uh, we know in the short term that can sometimes feel really good, but in the long, in the long run, that's not your best for us. Like your best for us is to follow the wisdom that you've given us to above all else to guard our hearts. And God, we, we need a plan for that. We need to know how to do that. And so even this week, as we leave this place and we, we have choices to make about what we're gonna watch and where we're gonna go and what we're gonna say, would you speak into our hearts in those moments where we're making a difficult decision and lead us in the way everlasting? Show us the way. Your, your word in Isaiah says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Lord, we wanna hear that voice this week. Would you reveal yourself to us in a way that allows us to know that you are there and that we can guard our hearts and it'll be the wisest thing, the most important thing we do this week. God, I wanna pray for those in the room right now. I'm just praying over those of you who are caught in a web of addiction or a habit or something that you can't get out of. You've tried, you've tried to break it yourself and you can't. Lord, we know you said it's not by power nor by might, but by your spirit. And God, would you just allow us to feel your spirit? Those of us who are in that situation right now, would you just work inside our lives and make your spirit known to us? Father, I want to believe and trust what you say is the best. I believe you've got the best, you're, you're my best interest at heart in my life, and I want everybody in this room to believe that too. Lord, would you show us your best for our life? Would you show us how we can guard our heart? Would you help us, Lord, to keep away the bad and to let in the good? And we're gonna trust on your promise that everything that we do, all of our life is gonna flow from us, that it will be a wellspring of life when we do this right. We love you and we thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name, amen.